Welcome to Urban Principle, leadership lessons brought to you by BrettAndersonConsulting.com. And now here's your host, Brett Anderson. And welcome back to another episode. We are on episode 55, season 2, and we've been talking about innovative schools, and I want to start talking about the Focus School. And that was the school I had the opportunity to lead and build from scratch and basically build from the ground up um, that I led for 11 years, one of the schools I led as a principal. And I wanted to get into a little bit about how that came about. Um, Our area was kind of divided into what was called a learning community. And this learning community uh, was made up of 11 representing districts of Douglas and Sarpy County of Nebraska. So we had 11 different uh, school districts that were combined within this learning community. And they had the overall goal of providing dollars, extra dollars for students. And a tax levy was set up to support the needs of high poverty students and to meet those needs within each district. And there was legislation that included the possibility of focus schools within each of those districts and that each district could create their own focus school and run it from their individual district and it could draw students from all 11 districts. So almost like a magnet type uh, themed school that would be a specialty school that could be open to all 11 districts within your own districts or within your own district. And there was an option enrollment in place at the time And that was dropped, and they started what was called a learning community application. And it was due every March, and it would allow students to apply for any school within the learning community, so within all of those 11 districts. And basically, uh, its goal was to allow uh, demographic changes and to provide better equality and opportunities, so more of an equity model. And... Its other goal was to try and add uh, students and to match the learning community so that uh, the idea was to get this ideal of 35 to 40 percent free and reduced lunch population uh, everywhere. That was the learning community's number at the time. It was that 35, 40 percent range and it was to get that all over in all these suburban areas and all these 11 districts including the large inner city of Omaha. So uh, Omaha was already uh, in the 70s, uh, free and reduced lunch, you know, ranging from uh, 74 to about 75% uh, free and reduced lunch population. So the ideal was to get every district to that 35 to 40% free and reduce and give more opportunities and equalize the uh, population and the demographics more throughout all 11 districts. It was a major, uh, huge, um, enormous goal, really, to do that. And each year, the learning community's population uh, the number, they changed a little bit. So that would go up a little, that would go up. and And they started trying to figure out how to get this to actually happen. Um, three districts, the district that I was a part of, the Omaha Public Schools, and two other suburban districts. Uh, the superintendents got together at the time, three different superintendents, and said, hey, let's jump ahead of this legislation on the focus schools. And this is probably about 2006, 2007. And let's uh, 
let's get um, a school going that's more of a collaborative or a partnership between the three districts. And their goal was to start a school that was a focus school that could be a model for what they really need to look for and what the legislation could be from the state. And they started pushing this uh, collaboration model and the three superintendents got together and looked at hiring a, um, coming up with concepts for the school first and then figuring out how to hire a principal and then staffing from there. And where I got involved was uh, my wife was part of a superintendent's uh, advisory for special ed at the time. Uh, she was working with a nonprofit, so she would go to that advisory and we were sharing ideas often and and I shared uh, with the current assistant superintendent the previous year they were looking for ideas for a focus school and I said how about a school on leadership and gave them some parameters and some, some things they could do with that and they were also sending out surveys on uh, on focus schools and what would be things parents would want to see and it came out to be technology and uh, innovative strategies and um, communication came out as a theme and uh, leadership of course was identified um, and I I remember thinking uh, giving plenty of ideas and I remember a year later when my wife went to that superintendent's advisory and she said they're talking about the focus school and they think they have the concept down and she said one of the ideas it sounded like they were talking about leadership technology and communication and she said you gave a bunch of ideas on leadership didn't you when she came home and told me that and said, that's something I think you should apply for or throw your name in the hat since you had some of those ideas and you had some really good ideas on leadership. So I thought about it and thought, well, maybe I'll throw my name in the hat. And uh, eventually I did. And, you know, I didn't know if it was totally my idea or if uh, some of it had been brought up by others during their survey. But it was, it was something I was very interested in, especially starting a school from the ground up where you would have the opportunity to do some of the things we've talked about with innovative schools. And allowing that innovation was a big challenge and also uh, something that uh, kind of piqued my interest. So uh, I did apply for that and ended up doing uh, different interviews and did interviews with uh, HR people from all three districts at the time, the way they were handling it and ended up making the final interviews. And I remember sitting there with three HR directors from the three districts. And uh, my final interview, I also had a big room of people to my right that was like a classroom that were all community supporters and agencies and people involved in the learning community. And they sat there and I was supposed to ignore them. And they were actually uh, taking notes and writing down their responses to my responses to the three HR director questions. So um, at that point, I was really happy with where I was. I was current principal of a, a high poverty building, Indian Hill Elementary, and had been there 10 years and was happy with what I was doing. And um, so it was kind of a, I could do it if I wanted to, or if I don't get it, I'm going to be happy because we're making some big changes and doing what we're supposed to be doing where I currently am and I liked that building and next thing I know I remember getting a call from the superintendent that current superintendent then and 
was asked to be the principal. And from there, things just kind of spiraled. And that was, and we were getting ready to open the school for 2008. A uh, building was selected within, in one of the other districts. Uh, there were already committees made up um, from the three districts. We had curriculum, we had transportation, we had communication, we had a, a main advisory group, we had a finance group, we had all these different committees and they were all made up of different people from all three districts. And then uh, to make matters even easier, I had three superintendents and three school board, uh, three school boards to answer questions to and to, to make happy all the time. So it was an interesting experience. And we didn't really take off until finally when we actually, they had me start hiring staff and I was able to hire staff from all three districts and when I finally got staff hired from all three districts and we started getting things in place, we started to get our uh, more autonomy as a school. And I was able to get the staff and I started to work with the staff and started to build curriculum and started to look at the best pieces from the three districts that we wanted to use, including other pieces. And some of the things that we had talked about with innovative schools um, came out. Remember, uh, we looked at that that actual document can urban districts get charter-like performance with charter light schools, they called it. And that was from the Progressive uh, Policy Institute in that research by David Osborne and Emily Langhorn from July of 2018. And they talked about, you know, having the autonomy to do staffing and the autonomy as a school to create your learning model and some of the things like curriculum and budgeting and your school calendar and schedule and professional development. And those were all things we started looking at as a school and all things we started designing and creating from the ground up. And the best thing about uh, creating a school from the ground up is you're the first ones to start thinking about the vision and the mission for that school, which are extremely important concepts that you're going to wrap everything around and once we developed that uh, vision and mission for that school as a staff we started to look at what curriculum we wanted to use we started looking at the things we were going to teach within that building and we started uh, developing curriculum around strengths-based uh, curriculum uh, project-based um, teaching we started looking at uh, blended learning Technology was going to be um, 100%. It was going to be one-to-one. -one, and that was before all this pandemic and before everybody started increasing their purchasing of technology. Um, we actually went to Apple and looked at some of the things that we could do through technology. And the one thing that sticks in my mind as, as we did the Apple visit was uh, Apple did say, uh, make sure you're not restricting your kids learning in any way and let them learn at the speed and the pace that they need to and let them learn what they can and that stuck with me uh, since we started developing our curriculum we didn't want it to be this is all you do on computers in third grade this is all you do in technology in fourth grade and so on we didn't want to restrict our kids so we wanted to base it on their strengths and if they were strong enough and could continue to use different programs and whatever they needed to create the project-based learning and some of the things that we were creating, 
they could use it. So we didn't restrict curriculum. And it gave the kids an opportunity to kind of blossom. And the school started uh, with only three, four, and uh, fifth grade. We were trying to stick to the lower grades because as we started designing the school, we started realizing that the kids are going to be coming from 11 different districts, basically all over the city and suburbs. So we wanted to limit the time on buses as much as possible, but also limit the age. And the age of the student was important to us because we didn't want the younger students on buses for a longer time than, than needed to be. And it's harder to bus the younger age too. So we thought we'll start it at third grade and then the concepts that we're starting to do with the, the concepts that came out and the theme of leadership technology and communication um, could be developed around that. And uh, teachers started developing rubrics. We developed our own rubrics around our theme, that leadership technology and communication. We uh, wrapped our curriculum around that and started to build in pieces that would build students and help students be better, um, not just citizens, but be better at whatever career they chose and a lot of our emphasis was getting uh, choices in front of students so that they could actually build an interest in an area whether it be coding or uh, technology or biology or uh, whatever it may be so I mean we had a lot of things to build interests and a lot of things were done to do that and the way the school was set up we set it up so that we had extra uh, school day, we had extra time. We increased our time uh, based on the learning that was lost over the summer. And I still, I keep saying I want to do a whole episode on that, but I do want to do a whole episode on the learning, uh, summer learning loss and some of the research behind that um, because a lot of it does uh, say it's based on experiences and the experiences that students in poverty don't get over the summer that others do get. Otherwise, they are, can be on par with everyone else in the learning. Uh, so it's just some of those uh, opportunities that they get. So we're trying to give increased opportunities for students and try and build our programming around strengthening those students. Uh, Gallup was used as part of our uh, student uh, strength piece. And we used, uh, at that time it was called uh, Strengths Explorer. I think it's called Strengths Quest now but it identified the student's top three talents. And then with staff, I've always, always used Strengths Finder as a principal. And I've done that to identify you know, the staff's uh, top five and use those in working with staff um, using their strengths. So we did the same thing with students and that was used in third grade and fourth, fifth, and sixth. And project-based learning, we had projects for each grade level uh, which we called capstone projects. And at that grade level, they had to do a variety of skills that culminated into a larger project that they had to demonstrate their understanding and knowledge of that and show their mastery of that project by the end of the year. And that was demonstrated through uh, different um, projects along the way and lessons and meeting the requirements of the rubrics that define the leadership technology and communication for each project. And then a lot of times culminated into that larger activity which included uh, students creating some kind of a PowerPoint or a uh, um, 
keynote or some kind of a video or some kind of project that actually demonstrated it with their board or in their project. And we did that uh, for years and it was a good way for them to demonstrate their learning. And it showed how much growth they had too and we tracked that for a long time. And the nice thing was uh, third grade usually did some kind of pamphlet or some kind of a our research around the leaders, some type of a leader, and compared their own strengths to that leader, and and um, did a brochure type thing, and used computers in the skills and that, and and used other skills too in presenting, and eventually uh, had that culminating project. And then fourth grade was uh, started with uh, book studies and started with uh, book report type activities for the longest time we did that where they were doing book reports and but in doing it they had to use the technology and utilize the components of leadership technology and communication too to demonstrate their learning and then fifth grade did a wax museum and the wax museum they had to portray a leader and um, compare and contrast their leadership skills with this leader that they had studied and then the wax museum portion is they did a video or keynote or PowerPoint about that leader. And one of the most clever things I saw them do was at the, the, day, the presentation time is they would actually interview themselves. They would do that in iMovie and interview themselves as uh, the interviewee was the actual um, real person. Um, and then they would have the they would dress up in costumes like the person that they were portraying as a leader and they would interview themselves they would use the video to interview themselves so they'd turn it on when parents came around as they stood at their stations and had their computer and had a board and often dressed like the leader that they were representing so the parents could hear the interview and ask questions and then sixth grade uh, developed into a science fair type project and the science fair you know, used boards and they had to create a hypothesis and our kids were doing some pretty uh, intricate uh, boards and the things that I saw were pretty advanced for sixth grade. So I knew we were on the right track when our stuff was looking really good compared to even junior high. So the students were showing high level uh, in their skills. And then some of the things we did were uh, was extending the day and doing some doing some things to increase our learning and I think in terms of time I'm going to cut it off right now and next time talk about talk about some of the things that we did to increase our learning at the focus school and how we developed our instruction and how we continued to increase engagement with students and I always like to end with a quote so I think the quote this time is Although no one can go back and make a brand new start, anyone can start from now and make a brand new ending. And that was from Carol Bard. So in these times with COVID, we're getting more vaccinations out. Stay covered. Make sure that you're practicing social distancing. Make sure you're keeping your face coverings on and keep following your district's hybrid models or your one-to-one -one models or your 100% models but make sure you're staying safe, make sure you're washing your hands, and keep promoting effective leadership through productive culture changes. And until next time, let's remember to stay positive.
You've been listening to Urban Principle. Leadership lessons brought to you by BrettAndersonConsulting.com.